Hey, welcome to the latest episode of Fearless Frustrations. I'm your host, Soma Lambert. On today's show, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, LeBron passes MJ on the all-time scoring list. We'll get to that in a little bit. Antonio Brown deal uh, in the works. A deal is expected by Friday. We'll get into a little bit of that, too. Um, and like always, we'll save our uh, rant of the week for last. You're going to like this one. For Lakers fans out there, it's going to give them a, a little bit of uh, some some memories of, uh, of some brighter times as uh, uh, poor Laker fans out there. Not not doing so well uh, lately, Noah. Yeah, pretty pretty terrible, I yeah, would have to say. Yeah, pretty awful. Uh, let's start today with, uh, with the main headlines, obviously, of course, last night, LeBron. Uh, passes MJ on the all-time scoring list. Pretty emotional moment for him. Um, I was having this conversation with him, and then this is going to open up the whole Kobe and LeBron thing because this is what I really want to get to and what's really pissing me okay, off lately. Um, he, he was telling me, uh, and, and he reminded me, the ovation and the uh, the moment that Kobe got when he uh, when he passed Jordan, right? Yeah. And they stopped the game. Players from both sides came and congratulated him. They literally stopped the game, right? And then LeBron got 30 seconds. And that's yeah. it. I mean, the the moment seemed pretty like intense. I mean, and it was. But uh, and then of course it opened up the Kobe and LeBron debate. And I'm gonna say this now, and I'm gonna stand by it until LeBron is done and he calls it quits. Can we stop comparing Kobe and LeBron? Can we stop with the, oh, if LeBron had the Mamba mentality, he would be better. If LeBron had the Mamba mentality, maybe he would be the GOAT. I guess I get it that when you move to the Lakers, of course, a storied franchise like that with probably the greatest players of all time once, you know, at least rocking the, the purple and gold outside of Jordan. Yeah. But come on, two different players. Well, yeah, I don't like any of these debates to begin with. Um LeBron James is, in my opinion, the best all-around player we've ever seen. Okay. He, can, he can pass it. He can rebound it. He can. He's the best all-around. I'm not saying he's the best player ever necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, I personally like him as one of the best ever, but best all-around player. Okay. And, uh, I mean, he's been lacking on defense as of late, but uh, earlier in his career, way better at defense. But um, Kobe was the definition of just a scorer. You know, he's known for the Mamba mentality. He wanted to score the ball all the time. And so they're different players, and LeBron's not playing bad. That's what's really irritating me here. They're like, oh, LeBron's just giving up. He's not doing it. He's still averaging around 27 points a game, which is pretty high up in the in the scoring standings, and he's not even the definition of a scorer. And th- I think this opens up the, the whole statistics – equal greatness conversation Which is, no right because yeah. it's just yeah. crazy to me I, and i remember again taking to social media uh listening to some of the old mj interviews about you know lebron because obviously the guy knows that the kid is probably the closest thing to the goat uh you know and and claiming his status as the goat uh, so, you know, he, he has a couple like jabs and, and things to say about it every now and then. But one thing that he's always consistent on is winning, right? He didn't yeah. care about stats. If he cared about stats, he would have been, uh, he wouldn't have retired in 93. Yeah. Actually his best stat years were the years that he did not win. Yeah. And again, 
winning and championships meant everything to him, sure. right? And yeah. these these accolades come along, and I guess it's, I, I get it. It's a different era of basketball, and you know it's it's hard to compare uh, a moment we get in 2019 to a moment we got in. I don't know, 1995. It is, and Jordan did have a fantastic team. You have mm. to remember his supporting cast is, is still one of the best supporting casts I've ever seen. Dennis Rodman, uh, unbelievable rebounder and defender in the paint. Yeah, you're not gonna most likely you're not gonna score on Dennis Rodman. And this uh, and Scottie Pippen's just fantastic all around. This leads to a conversation we're gonna have a little bit later on in the show about um, there's a, a recent sit down between Bill Simmons, which is probably my favorite all time uh, sports. Uh, journalist and uh, broadcaster, everything, all of the above. And he sat down with Adam Silver discussing the unhappiness of NBA players and uh, the difference in teams back then to difference in teams now and the camaraderie. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But I want to get on to some of our frustrations of the week so far, Noah. Um, the NFL Combine uh, recently uh, got underway. Uh, we had some pretty incredible moments uh, and some pretty uh, surprisingly not so incredible moments. Yeah. Uh, who is one guy that stood out as the guy that should have done better? For me, I, I was watching it, and so like pe- there were like all these like uh, tags on Dwayne Haskins. I thought he did pretty bad. Yeah, a lot of people were showing how good he did. Yeah, they were comparing. They were like, "Oh, Dwayne Haskins is slinging it out there, and he's missing passes left and right." And I'm like, "He's real slinging it." No. So to put it in perspective, he ran a uh, a, a five two a five two forty. To put that in perspective. Uh, some of the you know quote slower quarterbacks uh, in the league. Ben Roethlisberger won, uh, ran a four eight. Uh, Eli Manning about the same category. So to be slower than those guys is uh, is worrying for NFL teams to say the least. Yeah, and uh, a lot of things that they're looking for in a quarterback now when they're going through the draft and just in general is mobility. You yeah, need to have pocket mobility. Um, you're not going to have an offensive line like the Patriots or the Steelers every year when you're getting on these low-tier teams. That's part of the, the issue of why they're not winning typically. And, of course, his PR team uh, comes to his defense, says he had leg cramps uh, while he ran his 40. So apparently he's going to attempt to uh, rectify that on his pro day, uh, which is, you know, good for the kid. I've always been yeah. a believer, like, because if I, I put myself in those shoes, if I were, you know, coming into the combine, which is a stage to, you know, prove yourself, obviously, and get some exposure, you know, I'm not going, I'm going to do everything, right? And I get it, there's there's certain risks involved with throwing and, you know, dampering the money you might make uh, as a projected top five pick. If you were to throw and it didn't turn out so good, you might slip. I get it. But at the same time, this kid's going to go out and he's going to run the 40 again. He's not letting these critics get the best of him, which yeah, I think I'm is good. Yeah, I'm glad he is to you. The other thing that I noticed was he wasn't as fit as yeah, the other quarterbacks. People were saying, and he looked like it too. Not yeah. very much, kind of, kind of Jamarcus Russell esque. Yeah, because you wear yeah. you wear those really tight suits, and people like a lot of people are kind of skeptical. Why are they wearing those tight suits? So they can see the definition of their bodies. Yeah, because it's important to these front offices. Typically, when you draft a player too, you're going to have a whole year to develop that player before mm-hmm. they're going to be their full potential. I mean, something that Jameis Winston was getting cr- criticized for when he was drafted was. The fact that he was out of shape, yeah, you know, um, uh, he, he likes uh, a, a specific diet uh, of crab legs and among other things. So it, you're absolutely right. Front offices care about these things. They they want to see the the uh, 1.8 percent body fat, which leads me to uh, another uh, guy that stood out in the combine, 
DK Metcalf, Noah. Animal. And I were you did you <laughs> yeah, see this? I watched kid? I watched four three three. That wasn't even what I was most impressed about. His leaping ability in every jumping drill. So people were comparing him already to Julio Jones. Uh, I mean, the there was a couple things the 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 three cone and the and the shuttle run yeah. uh, didn't do too well in, but the the forty the bench he, he busted yeah. out uh, twenty seven reps uh, yeah. on the bench and my my you already see the pictures uh, of what he looks He's like huge. he is absolutely huge already probably the biggest receiver in the NFL. Yeah, and he can burn by people. Like even you're you're watching him in the throwing drills. Yeah, and he is like the court. Some of the quarterbacks couldn't throw to him because he was so far down the field. He's got just that speed. He he's speed got the the blitzing speed. Uh, I mean, this was a kid. I I'd, I'd never heard of him personally until he started coming out in the combine. I, I didn't follow him. Because uh, I watch all, a lot of SEC. at all Miss. Yeah, but. Best receiver in the draft, yes or no? I mean, I know that there's a certain cousin of an NFL player, Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown, coming Very out of good. Oklahoma. Very good. But this kid's got all the intangibles. First receiver off the board for you right now? Because he is for me. Yeah. Um, He's certain. Right er- now they, they've that. put him in the nine spot on mock drafts to the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. So I, I could see that happening. Um, there, There's a guy that – there's some Man. guys at wide receiver they're overlooking though. They're, uh, like Buffalo, Paris, Paris really, Campbell. really the uh, the place where receivers go to die more or less. I don't well, know if I like that. Um, yeah. Well, they're they're just relatively new. Yeah. Um, so it it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Well, I'm a- I'm anxious to see the uh, I'm anxious to see Kyler Murray's pro day. There's there's obviously didn't throw at the the combine. Now that we're talking about the combine, obviously, uh, the biggest name, obviously Kyler Murray. Uh, which leads us to uh, the next thing that I want to talk about, and is this whole Josh Rosen uh, trade rumors, right? Yeah, teams have been inquiring about uh, the availability of Rosen. Of course, uh, the Cardinals traded up in last year's draft. This is what's got me fired up about it because they traded up. They gave up assets for him. This is their. They thought this was their franchise quarterback. And of course, didn't have a good first year, as most rookies don't. Jared Goff comes to memory of a quarterback that had a terrible first year, and everyone's saying, oh, wow, they really blew that pick up, and he took him to a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. So where, where, where do you see this going? The uh, new Cardinals coach, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, Kingsbury yeah. said uh, when he was at Texas A&M that he would draft uh, Kyler Murray with the first pick. He's, he's drafting Kyler Murray you with think the so? first pick. I'm I'm very certain at this point. Okay, so I, everything I, I've been looking into this a lot because um, it'll bring me up to my next point after I get into this. Um, so the Arizona Cardinals are really looking for 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 Kyler Murray. They mm-hmm. want that mobile quarterback in their system. Cliff Kingsbury is going to completely change the offense from last year. Steve Wilkes, he was more of a kind of try to ground and pound kind of guy. And Cliff Kingsbury's like, I'm going to throw the ball, and I want my quarterback to move. Josh Rosen, he's good. He's not bad. I can see other teams really wanting him. He's going to be shipped to, you know, it's looking like maybe the Redskins at this point or the Miami Miami Dolphins. They're the two that seem to be the front runner because uh, the Dolphins have been rumoring that they're getting rid of Tampa. Rebuilding too, yeah. Yeah, and so – this is just how I've been seeing it, and a lot of other teams have just been trending on trying to uh, clear up cap space right now, and so I feel like the Cardinals are going are going for that. I saw a, uh, a decent rumor that the Bengals 
could offer a giant package for him as well. That would make sense. They're yeah. trying to kind of move on to a new era here, so. Yeah, they've seen Excuse what me. they've had with Andy Dalton. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think that that era is done. Yeah. I think that era is completely over with. Um, let's let's stick with the uh, the NFL topic here because you know as the combine's going on and all these trade rumors are happening, we're seeing a lot of guys get the franchise tag lately. Yes, we're also seeing a lot of guys not get the franchise tag lately. One in particular player not getting the franchise tag for a run of the mill amount of the money is Landon Collins, yeah. all defensive player um, in the in the prime of his career, um, and the Giants are choosing not to throw the franchise tag at him. As a Cowboys fan, this makes me very excited. Um, as an NFL fan, this makes me wonder, and this is one of our other topics that we were going to get to a little bit later, but we'll go ahead and get to it now, with these teams just creating cap space. And that seemed to be just the trend, is everyone either just wants to get younger or wants to use assets. But these players that are getting released are still viable, very helpful players in this league that end up getting picked up Either way, do you do you like where this league is at, or do you not like it? Because it's it's annoying, but I also understand to an extent. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I was surprised that the Patriots didn't use their franchise tag. Mm-hmm. I thought they would use it on their kicker, um, Gostakowski. Gostakowski, he's just fantastic. Yeah, one of the best kickers in the league every year. Um, but uh, the yeah, so the Cleveland Browns cut Jamie Collins for another cap one, space, yeah. which their best defensive continuing player. to make questionable moves for a franchise that's you know known for doing that. Well, I, I feel they're bringing in a big receiver is why they're doing this. Okay, they're trying. They're they're trying. They're to rumored to either go for Brown mm. or for Odell right now. Right, and so I can see why they're kind of shifting their cap. Mm. There's another rumor that they're going to release one of their offensive linemen this week to clear up even more cap. And uh, so I, I like some of the trends, um, but at the same point, uh, a lot of teams need to realize that this isn't just going to be an individual player sport. Yeah. You need a team in order to win. Yeah, in, one, in more ways than one, I think this, to me, the NFL is not at a healthy point. I mean, we, we talk about the NBA a lot, and we see how healthy they are in just terms of uh, media uh, relation to TV deal and, and all of that uh, accessibility, every category, the NBA is in a healthy spot other than some possible player unhappiness that we'll get to later. But with the the NFL, and this is, this is really the last five years that I remember this happening, mm-hmm. and, and I might be quoted on that uh, to being wrong, but we'll get there when that bridge comes, um, that just teams are buying young Right. And, and they're like like Eric Weddles of the world. Right. For example, the Ravens uh, taking a flyer on the veteran for the last couple of seasons yeah. and still a very uh, a very productive player. And really they're letting good. him walk. Yeah. And it's still one of that the was, best safeties in the league. That was absurd. Playing at his age. Yeah. This safety market, just in general, though. Safety market is, is probably the, is the richest it's been. And again, as a long diehard Cowboys fans, I'm salivating, but I'm also slightly depressed because I know we're not going to make a fly at any of those guys. But I've been seeing they've been looking at the draft pretty heavy on a safety. Yeah. There's some good names coming up in the draft. Yeah. Too. High that, defensive draft. Yeah, that's that's definitely uh the areas that we need to uh address the most. Uh, let's leave the NFL for now. Let's talk let's go back uh I want to go back to Lakers real quick because I didn't get my two cents in about this. I want to completely focus on the front office and the job they did this season, right? Okay. Obviously, when when it was announced that LeBron was a Laker, every you know 
I was shocked, 100%. I did not think that he was going to go to L.A. I really didn't. I was disappointed. I was a, I was, I was the middle of the road. But the, the players that they got around him, right? So the argument that everyone's been having lately, oh, LeBron's activated playoff mode, and oh, wow, doesn't seem like LeBron has it in him anymore, blah, blah, blah. Too talented, uh, too great to be missing the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. How many teams do you expect this guy to carry on his back? He carried a team with his second best player being an injured Kevin Love the last year yeah. of that Cavs season. And he took that team to the finals. Now he's playing with a bunch of sorry young guys that don't want to play defense and like pointing fingers. And on top of that, the front office surrounding you with Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, and Michael Beasley, who's playing in China now. Well, the deadline was awful for them. And then, and of course, the whole Anthony Davis fiasco that didn't end up working out for him and probably won't long term. I'm making a, a bet official uh, with a certain Berg member here that AD won't end up a Laker. I just don't think that he's going to. They don't have the pieces. If New Orleans turned him down at the deadline to hold out for a better deal, then what makes you think that he'll end up a Laker at any time? Anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there because I am I've had it with the blame just being thrown at LeBron James for for all of this. How can you get the best player in the world to sign to your team? And your reaction to that is going out and getting Rajon Rondo as your best free agent yeah. acquisition. And their whole season's been injury riddled. Yeah. People forget that. They're like, oh, LeBron's letting him down. He's he's all to blame. He's gone for for a quarter of the season. Gone for a quarter. Lonzo's been hurt. Ingram and Kuzma are out right now. And then Yeah, and ugh. the more Just, that ugh. more I see them without Lonzo Ball. They can't move the ball without him. Yeah, but Lonzo is their most switchable defender. I had this argument because people are trying to use Lonzo as an excuse as to why the Lakers have been struggling. Yeah, that's definitely a, a, a huge piece of your team and component yeah. of your defense that's missing. Well, come on, the guy's not going out and getting you 30 buckets a night. He's not the scorer, but he's the the defender, and he can he can move the ball. Yeah. His, his um, past two assists, which is not a, a stat, and that is a hockey stat. Yeah. But – his past two assists, you notice how when he swings it to LeBron and LeBron swings it out, nobody can guard that. Yeah. Incredible. They definitely miss his playmaking ability uh, 100%. I'm anxious to see if they try and bring ball back at all this season or if the Lakers keep losing, uh, if they just decide to limit the minutes of everyone going down the stretch. Uh, which takes us to our next segment. Uh, cause for concern, Noah, the Lakers and the Celtics Saturday night primetime game. First of all, who's winning that game? And second of all, what franchise are you more concerned with now? I think we know what the Lakers are and what they're going to be. But yeah. I think it says more about the Celtics lately and how they've been playing, you know, despite a, a pretty nice win over Golden State this past Tuesday. Uh, but with how they've been playing and the, the projections and the expectations of their team going into the season – uh, what what team is more cause for concern this Saturday? Uh, the Lakers are still the Lakers. Yeah, the the Celtics actually. Have because been... I'm just at a point where everyone's trying. Oh, the the Lakers can do it. They can they can really string some games together. No, they're not going to string anything. Well, yeah, together. they're not making it. I'm they're just... not making it. And we like we know what what they are. But for yeah. the Celtics, that's the most talented team outside of Golden State. That just sucks right now. I mean, they're balling out the last two games. They have been playing well, but I mean, it's. 
if Gordon Hayward keeps playing the way he's played, Gordon Hayward games, with the uh, with the game winner. Yeah, even yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I still don't think they do the structure of their lineups right too. I yeah. think Brad Stevens has some idea of what he's doing with that, but I don't. I, I I'm not a big fan of it. I'm not a big fan either. I get. I've been I've been watching a lot of Celtics game like because obviously they're on prime time and I'll watch it this Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Lakers Celtics, you always got to watch. You know, turn up for Lakers Celtics. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a historic rivalry, yeah. but. They're they're starting the the Kyrie Marcus Smart combo right. Yeah. I'm not I'm not sure I agree with sticking both Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward on the bench. It's interesting because Marcus Smart's really good at oh defense. Marcus Smart's a dog and he can he can drain threes. He can he's he's, he's, he's become like a one, knockdown shooter. shooter. I really like him. But I just I I feel like making him your most beneficial six man and getting him at that thirty minute to 32 minute clip every night but you know the athleticism the the shooting the the stretchability of I don't know if you play Hayward you probably play Jalen start Jalen Brown just because you know Hayward's still trying to find and I think I really think he's close I'm glad he's on the bench he's a great bench piece Um, yeah Jalen Brown's interesting to me because he's more of a of a small forward to me. Than to a, me, than a guard, yeah, than yeah. I I don't like him at guard. He he's six seven, long, athletic. He's he's definitely more of a a three than a true two guard. I a hundred percent. I'm with you, but I just. I mean, I wouldn't mind the lineup of Tatum at the at the power forward. I'm a big Jalen Brown five. fan too, by the way. Yeah, I love put, his game. Jalen Brown at the three. Let's see what he does with the three because he can guard those guys. Maybe you put what when you look at that team. What's the death lineup, right? We talk about the death lineups in these great teams. The Warriors, obviously, their death yeah. lineup is their starting five. Exactly. Who's what is the death lineup? Because this, I was having another conversation about who the second best player is in Boston. They paid Gordon Hayward to be that guy, yeah. but right now they don't really have a second best player. But again, are what's you going, are you going with Kyrie as their first? Or? Obviously, yeah. Okay. Uh, Kyrie's the bucket. Yeah. Yeah, games on the line. Kyrie's the bucket. I had to. Some people are saying Tatum's the second. That's that's crazy. One, so Tatum I, can I be and should be. He could be a one. Could be. He's young. Yeah, but no, 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 not right now. Not yet. Um, their second best, um, probably just. I mean, Hayward's going to be their second best, just not yet. Yeah. I mean, the, if he if he can continue to play the way he's playing right now, where he's not afraid of you know, you know how he came off his injury, breaking his leg, you know, jumping up, you're not gonna be making those acrobatic plays like you used to. Mm-hmm. And so if he just keeps you know going in and driving, it can be him. But um, I think know, I, I think it's Al Horford. Yeah, yeah. I think when you if, from a leadership standpoint, if yes. Al Horford's not in that from an offensive and defensive standpoint too, if all if Al Horford's not in that lineup. Everything changes for that team. Oh, for they're, sure, they're, yeah. The way they run their pick and rolls, the, the the way that they they space the floor with their shooters. I don't know. Uh, I just I have I have a lot of friends, ironically, that are Celtics fans for some reason. Okay. And I have these conversations a lot uh, with all of them, and I I don't know because I came into the season like most everyone else. I thought that Boston and Golden State would be the matchup. I really didn't. Uh, I thought that Boston was the best team in the East. I think my opinions have kind of changed. I don't know. They they go back and forth between the, between all four of those big powerhouses: the the Philly, Toronto, uh, Milwaukee, and Boston. Obviously, you got yeah. those four. And I just don't. I just don't. I, know I who have pick. my pick now. Who's your pick? My pick's Out of those the Bucks. Four. The Bucks. Yeah, 
I'm not buying the 76ers if Embiid's hurt. I've okay. seen him then the last two games. Yeah, that's true. Atrocious. If Embiid's yeah. not healthy, that's a big problem. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to as we kind of go to the tail end here today. But I want to talk about this uh, specific thing because I watched the interview with Bill Simmons and Adam Silver mm-hmm. when they're talking about uh, – Adam Silver's talking about player unhappiness and, and the difference in generations and how – um, you know, back in the day, there was a lot of camaraderie in locker rooms, but nowadays with social media and, and technology, you know, players are in their phones, hoods are up, and there's not a lot of bond. I mean, you've seen, yeah. you know, players come out, especially we'll go back to Boston saying this team's not together, blah, blah. Um, but then uh, Charles Barkley, as he likes to input his opinion in a lot of these major yeah. topics, said that that's ridiculous that players are unhappy. They're millionaires, blah, blah, blah. Where do we stand with this? Because obviously, yeah, you're you're a millionaire now. You can put your family in homes. Awesome, blah blah blah. Money isn't everything. No. I think that that's obvious. So, what's your standpoint on that? Yeah, um, I think you need to have players that fit together as part of it. You yeah. need to have a good locker room and a good coach. Um, there's a lot of you know no nonsense teams out there, and they seem to be a lot happier. I think I think again, it just all these young guys that are coming is that you put. I mean, me and you are older than half of the league. Yeah, uh, that's, that's that's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's crazy. I still don't feel my age every single day in my life, but I'm 23 and I'm old. I am barely younger than Giannis and Tenka, and he is a billionaire on in the making freak superstar athlete on this huge platform and you know here i am on a on a wednesday recording an awesome pod with you but it it just puts it into perspective you you're they're trying to change the rules of bringing in more young people and letting them come in from high school these are temperamental they're teenage minds still i mean it's kind of the the nature of the business that you're running of nba players being unhappy they're still young kids trying to figure out their life. I mean, you give if you gave me $10 million right now, I would make a lot of dumb decisions. Oh, for sure. And I would end up paying for those dumb decisions. And then when that time comes, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, trying to evaluate my life and trying to figure it out. It, You know, m- mental health is it. I mean, we've seen NBA players come out lately. Kevin Love, one of them, yeah. DeMar DeRozan. I mean, we're, we're all aware of the, the stigma and everything like that, but... I think Charles Barkley is just way, way too out there to say that NBA players aren't unhappy. Well, it's really funny that he says that yeah. because he was one of the most unhappy players when he was in. He's yeah. complaining all the time, all the left time. and right. Yeah. I, I, I never take anything that he says that seriously, but uh, it was a good conversation because, again, it just, it, it just brought to light the fact that these guys are human and they go through the same things that we do. But at the same time, you know, from our perspective, yeah, it would be nice to have, you know, a thousand dollars, let alone a million. Oh yeah. Right? Um, but again, we can't sit here and say that we know the lives that they live and and yada yada. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because it was a I think it's an important topic. But Yeah, I, I also like think there's a huge mature like maturity factor that's coming into. Like mm-hmm. a lot of guys that stay in college and go through it a little bit, you know, that are like it's definitely hundred percent a maturity yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, their yeah. immaturity is a huge problem in the NBA. I think you know, as healthy as it is, again, bringing in these you know these young guys that don't know how to handle money of that magnitude is extremely dangerous. 
and it can put the NBA in jeopardy too. I mean, I mean, when when these guys are going out to you know nightclubs and and stuff like that, and they're yeah. underage too, and you know they're caught you know doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. Oh, for sure. Put it's a bad PR issue for the NBA. That's for sure. This makes me look back to the Spurs, like because they're just one of those just really well-run organizations, and it's really hard for them to really compete like they used to because of the way it's shifting. If, yeah, if, if there's one coach that I think I'd probably want to meet out of all the coaches of all time, it'd be Popovich. Yeah, he's just – well, first off, it's really interesting because he, he doesn't really express yeah. his personality in interviews. But he also just knows he's like everyone's going to work as hard as they can. Mm-hmm. And he also has that you know that college coach mentality. We're only as good as the players we have on the team. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to our last couple things here today. Uh Another th- cause for concern, though, uh, uh, Boogie Cousins uh, hasn't been looking very good. A lot of the blame getting put on him lately for their defensive issues. Draymond Green came to his defense saying that we're all bad, not just him. But teams are extremely tough on Boogie uh, since he came back. They're, they're attacking him down the floor defensively every single time. He single-handedly just threw himself out of that Celtics game, getting in tussles with uh, Jason Tatum and Terry Rozier at points. Uh, ended up fouling out of that one, and he just he just does not look good on the defensive end at all. Come playoff time, could that be a huge problem for a you know a death lineup? You know when it's easy to go down and just attack one player uh, on the other side. Well, that's why they brought Andrew Bogut. That's in a great point. Right now. Yeah, um, he won. I mean, he was doing. Good He's apparently in the yeah league MVP over there in Australia, yeah. and just. Happens to sign with the Warriors. No surprise there. I mean, yeah, not at all. For years. Yeah, people don't give him. People don't really seem to remember the Golden State Warriors before Kevin Durant showed up. Yeah. People don't remember the Andrew Bogut, Harrison Barnes, you know, Draymond, Clay, and Steph lineup. That was a great team. Before they got Kevin Durant, when Harrison Barnes left, yeah, I thought that was going to be the heart, like the worst thing for the Warriors, yeah, because I didn't expect them to get a Kevin Durant. I mean, yeah, nobody I, did. I thought Kevin Durant would have left OKC; that would have made sense, mm-hmm. but not to the Warriors. And uh, so it was just, it was just really, really interesting for me that um, Harrison Barnes was gone because he's, you know, another really good defensive player. Mm-hmm. And so they were, they were a three and D team. They ran the quadruple screen, I call it, mm-hmm. where they had four picks lined up and Curry would run off it and drain it. That was what they were about. And so now there's still more of a there's still a three point shooting team. One of the best in the league. Yeah. And if not the best. And so they're they're gonna go back to more of a defensive approach, but put Boogie on the bench. Get that points off the bench if you have to. You can't have all your stars in your starting lineup sometimes. They just don't mesh well together. Yeah. And, like, even with the, the 76ers, I think they're better with Jimmy Butler off the bench. I think Really? Yeah. I think, you know, you... Who do you start, then? Huh? Who, who's in that lineup? I think lineup? you put, like a, like, a Mike Scott defensively on the... On hmm. the at the... Or, like, at, put him there and put Tobias at the three, you know? I, I feel uh, you, you brought up a, a, an interesting point there because... I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a, a Sixers tangent here because they're gonna have some decisions to make, you know, when this season is done, right? Big time, big time. And Elton Brand, that front office, said, "Oh, we want to bring everyone back." Yeah, well, sorry, Elton, you don't really have the money to bring everyone no. back, right? Uh, I don't think Jimmy Butler is a 76er next year. No, he, I don't think he fits. He's the. I think he, you're right. He's yeah. the odd man out, but he is very good at scoring when they need him. To. Yeah. 
he he's, he's a he's a bucket. He's a great two way player. Still yeah. a top five two way player in this league. Yeah, he's kind of sure. overshadowed by the team that's there. I think Tobias Harris is a sixer going forward. I think he fits beautifully next to yeah. Embiid. Uh, he's the guy. I think they give the max deal and they let Jimmy walk. Um, but I mean, they're gonna keep Ben Simmons. Yeah. For all of his intangibles. Yeah. Well, obviously, Ben Simmons is a once in a generational kind of player. Yeah. So him and Embiid together, that is the the. <laughs> I, I can't really compare Kobe and Shaq to they're Simmons, but punch, they're a one-two yeah. punch, obviously. Um, but I don't know. They're we'll, like, we'll see. Yeah, they're like if uh, I don't, I can't even compare them to anyone because Embiid shoots three-pointers, which is beyond me. Let's uh, let's move on to our last segment here today. Some hot or cold takes uh, as we end the the show today. Uh, let's talk about my Trailblazers first. Noah, what? From a perspective of not a biased Blazer fan, yeah. what are your thoughts on They're the Trailblazers? They're balling right now. They are balling. Yeah. But they they are historical for balling in the regular season. They are. What makes them different now than last year? They're the most complete I've seen them That's in true. a long time. In a long time. This reminds me of more of the, the Wes Matthews, Batum, yeah. Lamarcus. The foundational yes. structure. Yes. Right? Last couple, that's a great point. The last couple years they – haven't really had a shirt up bench, mm-hmm. uh, and they have Cantor now. They have Rodney Hood that dropped twenty seven yeah. in Charlotte recently. Um, they have a lot more ways to win. We saw CJ, we saw Dame recently just not have good games, and they still won. Yeah, um, I am with the real like the the. I like to call them the real Blazer fans, just because of the ones that don't get excited. Um, uh, of situations like this, we have a huge game tonight. Uh, yeah, that's what I was at home yeah. against OKC. We're in a three-way tie with Houston and Oklahoma City right now for that three, four, and five spot. Um, huge game. I'm super excited for it. But um, again, when it comes down to these games, we can go out uh, on a road trip and win five out of seven, and that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Uh, we got a really nice win in Boston, almost came away with one in Toronto, dropped the last one in Memphis. That happens, but I'm not, nothing's yeah. proved well, to Memphis me yet. Memphis is balling too right now. I mean, when yeah. you have Conley getting four Conley's points. was on. Yeah, he was on. Conley was on in that game, and I enjoyed watching that because, you know, as an, people were overreacting, man, you can't always, you can't overreact to that. I mean, the, the Suns beat the Bucks the other day. The sun, yeah, okay. And Phoenix is playing just balling right now, yeah. which makes no sense yeah. to me. The, 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 the Suns un- beat the Bucks, So that puts it in perspective. Any NBA team can lose on any given night. Yeah, I mean, the Bulls won last night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Zach Levine. He's good. He's balling. Yeah. Zach Levine the more is that really I, good. The more that I've seen him this year, I, th- I think he should have been in the All-Star game. Yeah, I think the Bulls are going to be that team that makes the jump this next season because Zach Levine is too good. Him, Laurie Markkinen. And Laurie Markkinen, yeah. And Robin Lopez is still good. Robin Lopez is still really good. Yeah, still really yeah. good. I thought he would have been a, a buyout uh, casualty. Oh, for sure. But, oh, guess I'm not. glad they got Otto Porter as well. Uh, yeah, Otto Porter, yeah, fits there. I'm. He's nice. Six, nine, just long wing that can stretch and shoot, man. Yeah, gotten for a bag of chips. They gave him like two second round picks and and nothing for him. Yeah, they they got uh the other team got Jabari Parker. Yeah, Jabari Bobby Parker Portis. and Barbie Bobby Portis two second round picks for a yeah. former third overall pick and a potential you know twenty point bucket every night. Yeah, 
Nah, whatever. Uh, anyway, I think that's going to probably wrap up our show today, Noah. Uh, I think probably we got one more in the tank. Maybe we'll do a little uh, March Madness preview. I think that'd be a lot oh, of fun. Sure, I know yeah. finals week is on the horizon, so we might ha- have some scheduling conflicts. But we'll, I think, try and get one more pod in before the quarter is over. Yeah, we'll shoot for that. Um, but until we, uh, before we head out today, um, I told you guys that uh, Laker fans out there would have something positive to end the show today. Uh, um, and uh, I'm going to give you that right now. This is your rant of the week here on Fearless Frustrations. Did L.A. give up too much to get a guy who has been labeled soft, although he puts up 19-9, and nine, which only 11 other guys do? Is that a trick question? You tell me. They gave up Kwame Brown. Two first-rounders. I could, I could care less. I into his salary for first years. of all, understand something. When you're giving up first-round picks, if you are a quality team in play in playoff contention, it really doesn't mean that much. That's number one. Number two, and more importantly, Kwame Brown is gone. The city of Angels, Hollywood, just should be celebrated. Throw a parade already, whether you win a championship or not. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever, but I'm sorry to call tell everybody the truth. The man cannot play the game of basketball. He has small hands. He can't catch the ball. He's got bad feet. He can't really move, even though he's mobile. Doesn't really know what he's doing. Doesn't have a post move that he he puts to memory that he can do two times in a row. He has no game whatsoever. Plays no defense. Doesn't have the heart, the passion, or anything that comes with it. And you're asking me whether this they gave up too much? Please. The Los Angeles Lakers knew exactly what they were doing. They should be celebrating right now.